Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Duke Podcast, bringing you real estate stories here on a monthly basis. You know, this is our first podcast. I was thinking about doing this for a long time. The reason being is that, you know, we've worked in real estate for a long time, and uh, there's a lot of stories that happen, a lot of situations we get into that I think are fascinating, that there's a market for this. Earlier when I was thinking about what I would talk about, sure, we can talk about the market updates, this and that. But I think at the end of the day, people really enjoy the stories of how we got in certain situations, how we were able to win, how we were able to, from start to finish, sell a home for a lot more money, or how we were able to win uh, a multiple representation offer, how sometimes things just didn't go right at all and the mistakes that uh, uh, could have been avoided. Now, uh, I've been in the industry for about eight years now, and I will say that there's not that many situations that we make a lot of mistakes and we could have avoided it all. Uh, <laughs> there might be like a mistake or something, and that's normal because we get ourselves in a lot of different kinds of situations, a lot of different types of clients. Everyone has their own way of liking to be worked with, and we work with all kinds of backgrounds. So it's fascinating. So in this podcast, I want to talk about uh, some situations that we were in in the last month, this being July 26th. It is a wonderful day as well, and uh, I'm here early in the office. I don't really think the background looks that great now that I think about it, but you know, it's something we can improve on. So if you guys ever want to know more about us, uh, I work for a company called Cloud Realty Brokerage here in Mississauga, Ontario. My name is Philippe Hyduke, and uh, you can check us out on DukeRealtyHomes.com or on Facebook and numerous platforms. Uh, but those are the, the websites, the best way. We try to keep a weekly blog. We talk about some of our houses we have for sale and uh, so forth. All right, so let's see if we can make this entertaining and uh, see how you guys enjoyed this. So let's talk about the first story here. And uh, obviously I'm not gonna give any names, but these are real life situations. And these are things that will help people uh, realize that what they can do to improve their real estate situations. So let's talk about the first one. So I was approached back in uh, June of this year, uh, at the very beginning, and there was a client that uh, is kind of like a friend of the family, you can say, but I don't know them very well. They're from my other half of the family. And uh, she said that, let's call her Pamela. Pamela said that she would like to sell her home and she wants to buy a pre-construction project. Uh, now, I, told, I did tell her that if she buys a pre-construction, which she did, uh, she's from the Hamilton area, so she bought something there. We helped her out. That's not a problem. I went over there. Uh, we talked about all the different features. She loved the one. She got it. Buying pre-construction is not that complicated. Uh, if you like what's available and it's available, you just go for it. There's a 10-day grace period that sometimes people don't know about. That's government mandated. You have 10 days to review the contract, go to a lawyer, make any adjustments. So in this situation, I guess it's worth mentioning that... Um, because the builder that she bought from doesn't have very clear closing costs, so these are developmental charges called levies, we want to add that in the contract. So in this situation, they told us up front that get your lawyer to make an amendment for a maximum 2,500 in closing costs. Why that's important during the 10-day period is that if you don't negotiate that and you close the deal after 10 days, because it's boom, after 10 days is gone, they wrap you up, you're on the hook. Uh, you may have to pay more developmental costs. Like the builder could just be like, oh yeah, you know what? You owe 5,000, 10,000. 
because um, things come up and they don't want to pay for it. <laughs> so you got to make sure you cover that. Anyway, so she got the pre-construction project and she said she wants to sell her home. Now in this case, she's not going to get their house till next year. I told her, hey, do you want to wait next year? Uh, and she said, no, she'd rather sell now. The reason being is because the market right after COVID here in June was really, really hot. And I said, yes, you have a house. You probably will sell it for more uh, than you would have uh, than potentially the rest of the year. Who knows? Like if the market's really attractive, you don't want to wait. You just want to go ahead and get the most amount of money. So I went and looked at her house and we agreed. She thought that her house is worth 550,000. It, is a, it was a four bedroom home, one and a half bathroom, so it doesn't have an ensuite. Uh, but it's a nice home, it was 1800 square feet, and this is in Caledonia. So this is not really that popular of a city, it's a small town. And she thought 550,000. And I said, you know what? My goal here is to get you at least 575,000. But if you, because at the end of the day, you wanna be hiring a realtor that's gonna do a good job and make you as much money as possible. Sure, we're gonna make things as smooth as possible, but why hire us if you don't want to make as much money as possible? You know, you go in the private market if you want and sell it for much less and you can do it yourself without the commission, but we're here to make you a lot of money. Now, the point is that when I looked at her house, it had some carpet, uh, you know, kitchen was big, but it was dated. So, and uh, there was a lot of colors in the house. So even on the main floor, it was like red and green and blue. And then the hallway was like, uh, gray actually the pattern was really nice it was a really she actually did it and it was like a little red accents with gray colors it was really nice i really liked that i said hey i love this pattern so i said the first thing we need to do is we need to eliminate these colors uh the reason being is that i know from experience that every time someone walks in the house the feedback is always going to be uh the colors suck here and i don't want to pay ten thousand dollars to repaint the house okay first thing Everyone always overassumes the amount of money it costs to change something, especially minor like painting. Uh, I guarantee you, the buyers are going to save between five and ten thousand dollars to paint the house of that size. They're probably going to be like, "Oh, seven, eight thousand dollars." When it comes to negotiating a price on the house, the buying agent will always try to negotiate um, between five and ten, and they're going to argue that's how much the paint costs. So when I got my guy to go in and give her a quote for the paint, now obviously, if the circumstances are that you just have no money, maybe like talk to your realtor, maybe if you should talk to us, say, hey, okay, can you guys do the painting, just charge me a little more commission. Maybe we could have worked something out like that, but most of the time we'd love to do the clients to do something like that themselves, uh, so we don't have to charge them more money. And the painting is 3,200 it came to, so they painted the whole house, uh, with the neutral base color, uh, I told her a color, for example, crushed ice, uh, is a fantastic color out of uh, Sherwin-Williams uh, paint collection. It's uh, super easy easy to sell and I recommend that color almost with anything. However, we do have like interior designers that sometimes come in, they look at the cabinets, they look at the furniture and we can pick a neutral base color that could match better. In this case, I think it was pretty simple. Uh, so we got the paint done for $3,200, paint included. Uh, you're saying, yeah, that's $3,200. That is a lot. But we're going to circle around and see what happened in the end, right? The other thing that we did is we got someone to steam clean the carpets. Yes, we had someone, cleaners come in and thoroughly clean the house, but the carpets were really dated. Like This is about a 20-year-old home. They were not touched. And um, I didn't realize that carpet cleaning has become so much more expensive, especially post-COVID. So 
funny little story is I realized that if I just uh, got someone random to just clean, clean the carpets, so I ended up using a family member, which sounds random. However, if I just buy the carpet cleaner for $180 and then pay someone $100 to do it, so $280 let's say, um, that was about half the cost of a standard reputable carpet cleaner, which we're charging, like a lot of them were saying $500. Anyways, if I had to do it, I would for the client because it was necessary. So cleaning the home is extremely necessary. So what we did is we listed the house for 600,000 in about a week's time, we got an offer, uh, which is great because that's not a very fast market, uh, Caledonia, even during a seller's market, you can say. It's not a very fast moving market. So we, we listed it 600, we got an offer, the offer is 575,000. So I've already exceeded her expectations of 25,000 and I said, this is what we're gonna try to get. The client understands that, okay, we're trying hard for her. And uh, the terms were okay, you know, the financing, home inspection, there's only one offer. It's not a, because we're trying a higher price, we're not competing to get multiple offers. Um, we're fine with the first best offer. Now the client said, after mulling it over, said, yes, okay, 575, great, I'll take it. That's you know, already much more than the 550 you said. And I said, hold on, hold your horses. Uh, what you don't realize is that when I'm meeting the client, and we're talking over the offer, and I explain everything about it. We're trying to come up with a realistic explanation. I come up, I realize what her bottom line is. I'm also talking to the other agent uh, the whole time. I'm negotiating on your behalf. So right off the bat, I call the other agent and I said, thank you for your offer. Uh, there's, you know, uh, let's do, let's talk about the closing date. Let's talk about this. But I said, you know, the, uh, the client really doesn't have to go anywhere. And she thinks that her house is really great. She's looking for $595,000. So by telling them a price close to the listing the value that we've listed, we're already starting from a high point negotiating. If I said they want $580,000, uh, maybe we'd get there, but that's the maximum we'd get there. So I want to start with a much higher price, much more than the client's willing to accept, um, and see where that takes us, right? So granted, the, uh, the buying agent was like, you know what, like, um, the house needs some work, there's a lot of carpet, it's dated and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, there's not really that many houses out there. So you want to be in a position of strength and start by negotiating higher. The client is already willing to accept 575 and I have to tell her because she was a little bit, um, more of a little bit of a nervous, like a panicky type of client, which is absolutely no problem. You're selling the largest asset of your life. You should feel a little bit of stress sometimes. Unless things go so well, you get an amazing offer, call it a day. Um, there should be some moments, you know, people are coming into your house, especially post COVID, everyone needs to sanitize their hands. Maybe you want to sanitize the doors, people are touching them. Even if we tell them not to touch the doors, I mean, they have to open the, the house, right? Um, people turn off the lights, so they're touching the light switches. Uh, you have to be out of the house or you should be out of the house when people are coming in so they can feel comfortable. So there's a lot of inconveniences and people should feel stressed. Even though she wanted to accept 575,000, um, the buyers end up coming back uh, with 583,000. They're willing to agree for 500 and uh, in the end I was just trying to negotiate 585,000 after some back and forth. Even behind the clients, like I was telling her, yes, these are some updates, but um, I'm telling them a high number because I think they're interested. 
I'm not telling them to scare them. I'm just using a position of strength. So when I presented $583,000 to the client, let me tell you, she was overjoyed because she was already willing to accept $575,000 and we got her an extra $8,000. Now, that client's gonna be really happy. They're excited to move to their new build whenever that's ready. Uh, she has a place to go, so she doesn't have to worry about closing the place early. And I can tell you, tell you for sure that I don't think she was gonna get more than that for that type of house in that city um, maybe for the rest of the year because even right now it's uh, almost the end of July and I see the market has now now been slowing down people are going to cottages uh, sure homes are still selling that's not a problem uh, prices are up but maybe if she sold right now she wouldn't have got 583,000 so there's your story number one always make sure that there's more money on the table now if you go back to the painting uh, I spent a little bit of money on the cleaning and the and the carpet cleaning and all that stuff and made it really presentable. We do pictures and photos for every house uh, so people can do a virtual tour, people can walk through it with a video and then the house is super presentable at that point. Like we're talking about like right out of a magazine type of situation even if it's not really that renovated which one this one was not uh, but it did have a good plot. So the client painting the house for 3200 and ended up going for 33,000 more than her expectations of 550,000. You have to imagine that uh, she probably made at least, even if the market uh, helped out for half the increase of the house, you have to assume that she made at least 10 to 15,000 extra by having the house painted and not having that conversation because then at least the walls were moving ready, right? And uh, the only thing that people could nitpick about is maybe the carpets, this and that, but because the market was, attractive, we got a lot of money, and the client's really happy. Alright, so that's your first story. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, how we made some money, and how all these extra things helped the client make uh, $33,000 more. So our second story is on the buying side. Uh, in this market, buying a house is tough. Uh, if When a home goes for sale, it's going to be gone quick within a week, unless it's way overpriced or it's really not a good house. So uh, I had a set of clients, they were looking for a home in Georgetown and uh, it was unique because they called me uh, on a Monday, I went to their house on Tuesday, I appraised it and uh, they were happy with everything there um, and maybe I'll talk about the house uh, next time because uh, we also did a fair bit of work to the house to get it ready uh, but I'm going to talk about what happened. So we looked at a house uh, a couple days later, a house came out for 950000 and it was like completely beautiful home. They have a three bedroom home, they need four, checkmate. They had, uh, they need a bigger space, this is 400 square feet bigger, and a completely finished basement. The basement was a bit of a man cave, but it was really open concept. Man cave because it had a bar, um, and uh, that suited the client very well. So right off the bat, we were lucky in a sense that this is a home that fit everything they wanted, and uh, they were taking offers on Sunday. So it has an offer date, a date that everyone presents their offer. And uh, the point is that uh, the sellers want to get as many offers competing against each other to make this most amount of money. Now the buyers understand that at 950,000, this house uh, was very, very nice. That compared to all other houses, it fit exactly what they wanted. And I let them understand that there's a fair chance that this house can be very competitive because it's turnkey. People will pay more for a house that is completely finished because they are approved for a certain amount 
and they don't have to spend money out of pocket. They just have to get the financing done from the bank and they don't have to spend any money on renovations. They will pay more for that. Typically people have good jobs and they have a higher budget. So uh, there's more preference for that. So if you have a chance to fully renovate your home, especially in a market that heats up, people will pay extra for that. So keep that in mind. So that was the situation with this house. Um, so before we uh, presented an offer, we went back and looked at the house a second time. So it's always a good idea, bring second opinion, go see it at a different point of the day if you saw it in the morning, see it in the evening, see what you think. But everything about this house fit. I sent information to the clients by email and then in person when we were signing the offer about the house, the history of the house, which is called the comparative market analysis. You look at everything about the house, um, features, we realize that this is the original owner for 20 years, um, which is great. Uh, now, one of the things I think about in Georgetown is that, especially looking at the names, that um, the type of people that uh, typically sell a house in this type of an environment do have, maybe they've been there for 20 years, so they would love for a good family to take over their home. Sure, they're looking for the most amount of money everyone is, but sometimes there's some sentimental value, especially when you've been in that home for a while. So when we wanted to present the offer, we started off with a very strong offer. We already emailed the MLS listing to our bank so they can start the financing process, which is a really good tip for uh, how to compete in multiple offers. Now, a lot of people waive their financing and then maybe their home inspection. Uh, two quick tips on that is if you're going to try to waive your financing and you're 100%, you could just send the MLS listing to your bank and they could already start reviewing uh, a potential application for that home. They talk to the underwriter and say, yeah, we don't see any issues as long as the appraisal comes in. Appraisal is important that if other homes are selling for similar prices, then it should come in at the value you're offering. And uh, if you guys have any questions about that, I'll explain that more later. However, um, the other thing is the home inspection. So this home was completely renovated and you can say, yes, there could be mold in the attic. There could be some foundation issues. If you would like to do a home inspection and you're thinking it's competitive, you can do the home inspection before the offer date. I've done that many times to help those clients that really needed it and for older homes. Uh, and honestly, if the client really wants to, like it's going to cost a few bucks, but it's a peace of mind that, uh, the home is going to be super competitive. Whoever wins is going to have a clean offer. That's the unfortunate part about the business sometimes. But if we can do our financing, do a step ahead, send the MLS listing, the bank's already working on it and they say, thumbs up, you look like you're good to go. So you can waive that condition. The banks will never tell you to waive the condition, but that is uh, peace of mind for you guys. And the second thing is if you've already done the home inspection before that, then uh, you, you know there's nothing wrong with the house or whatever you find is not really a big deal. Every home's gonna have a few small things, um, maybe some scratches on the wall, maybe some like uh, a loose sink or something. These are really simple things that anyone could fix or you can get a handyman to fix it. It's not worth, uh, it's not a deal breaker. But so we, we, we came in with 975,000 for a $950,000 house. There ended up being seven offers. So I know this is very competitive. Now, one of the things we have to do, me as an agent, is I have to do the best job presenting a case for why we are the best buyers. At the end of the day, sometimes people just are all about the money, and even if I tell the sellers about my clients and they sound like the best possible people ever, if, we don't, if we're not competitive with the price, we're not gonna have a chance anyways. 
However, any chance we get to have any edge in winning the house, I'm talking about a dream home, like the best possible home for the client, the clients want to buy this home. They would love to stay here for 20 years, raise their kids. Uh, we need to do what we can. So what I did is uh, we signed the offer, we made it unconditional, because we, we made it over asking, but also I wrote, when I sent the offer to the, uh, the seller's agent, which I had talked to a few times, I was very polite with them, I reminded him that he was doing a great job. He got seven offers. Holy cow. You know, you want to butter up the other agent. So they're like, yep, yeah, yeah, I am doing a great job. Thank you so much. Any compliments? If that makes him uh, feel more comfortable with you on the buying side, that's going to help. In our offer, I wrote a full paragraph explaining about my clients, why they're great, why they're two twin girls, uh, would... Uh, you know, happen to be, uh, would love the park across the street. And you know what, in this situation, it happened to be the girl's birthday on the day of the offer. Twin girl's birthday, come on. Of course, I'm gonna play every single angle I can. And I told him, hey, it's the girl's birthday today. Like, I don't understand, all the stars align. We're coming in with a strong offer. And by the way, attaches a really nice photo of my family. I know I can't present this offer to you in person because we're still, adjusting to life in post-COVID, um, but I can send you a picture and tell you why my clients are special. I can tell you guys that this is a really sincere thing to do. If you're hovering around uh, you know, some of the better offers, even if there's an offer above you, if the clients feel like, oh wow, these guys love the place, they're telling us that the place is beautiful, here's a picture of the family, they look like a great family, even if the family had like, you know, it's chaos and, you know, I just need one good picture. <laughs> I'm sure people have great pictures and there are lots of great families. Um, but at the end of the day, I presented a good picture. The sellers love it. They're going to be rooting for us. If this works, in this situation, it did work. They're rooting for us. They want us to get the house because they love the family. They love the background. They understand the fit. I'm telling them that we want to stay here until the girls are, you know, for us, to, for us to stay there for 20 years like they did. So just the next level of family and the perfect recipe for why uh, we are good. When that happens, uh, I typically get a little bit of help from the selling agent. Um, now, they're not telling me the price. That's unethical. But they may give me some hints that another offer is a little higher or something like that. Um, this is a bit of a gray area in real estate, but it happens all the time, like especially over the phone, not in writing, never do that in writing. Um, but especially if you work with someone or you know that other agent, you've been in the industry for a while, people tend to help each other out just a little bit. And that little bit of help, if the clients say, you know what, we'd love this family to get it. If they nudge us in the right direction, uh, we can make a slight improvement to get the house, which is what happened. Um, even though we weren't the best offer, if we can get it to become the best offer, but not overpay at the same time. I'm not saying, telling my clients, hey, you know what, we need to be a million dollars now because I don't really know what the next offer is. I need to talk to the seller's agent, get any timbits of information I can and make the most educated guess I can to get the house for the family. So we've done everything we could. Um, you know, we've presented the family with a great light. 
the sellers love us, the listing agent, I buttered him up, he likes me, um, and then he just says, hey, like, if you come up a little bit more, we'll get you the house. Do you wanna know how awesome of a reaction my clients had when I told them we got the house, their dream home, right? And I don't just call them and say, hey, we got the house. I call them and I said, hey, this was a really tough negotiation. We've been at it for three hours here. There's six other offers, including our own, and it's extremely, extremely close. However, I think your family picture got you the house. Congratulations! Heard some crying, heard some cheering, heard some, why didn't you tell us right away? At the end of the day, um, we need to do any real estate transactions the most ethical way, the most uh, sought after way that the clients understand everything. We do the best job we can for them, but we need to make it a little bit of fun too. And just telling them in a slow rolling that they got the house, they'll never forget that. Um, and that was a fun way to go. Of course, now we are in the midst of uh, selling their home and uh, that should go smooth. I'll tell you guys about that next time. But episode one of the Duke podcast, Summing it up, a couple cool stories of how to make a little extra money for your home and how to get a home, especially a dream home, any home that makes sense for you in multiple offers. These are some tips. I hope you guys like it. Any comments or feedback are welcome. Try not to keep these uh, podcasts too long because, uh, you know, like sometimes I like to run for like 30 minutes and this would be in the 30 minute bracket. So people can enjoy, have some fun and uh, wishing everyone a wonderful week. Enjoy this rest of summer.